Hello, Highlight family. Thank you so much for joining us with Home with Mom and happy Mother's Day. My name is Megan Kondrogiannis and I'm the executive assistant here at Highlight Church and I have the honor and privilege of bringing you the Word of God today. But before we get any further, I want to have you join me in thanking and celebrating our lead pastors, Joshua and Kyra Redding. I thank you so much for all that you do continuing to provide me opportunity after opportunity and for believing in me. And, and I know that we can all agree with that. So let's celebrate our pastors in the chat feed. And hey, if you're new here, please let us know in the chat feed as well. We would love to welcome you for being here. And if you're not new here, welcome home. Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful Sunday. And so today what we're gonna do is highlight a snippet of the life of Timothy within Paul's letter entitled Second Timothy. Paul is the author of this book and he is writing specifically to Timothy if you didn't know that already. And to give you a little context, Paul was an apostle, also known as a sent one, and he was also a mentor to Timothy and a spiritual father. Timothy was a disciple of Paul's, also known as a student, and he eventually became a pastor. Paul wrote two epistles, also known as letters, to Timothy, 1st and 2nd Timothy, and you can find this in the New Testament. In 1st Timothy, we see Paul providing instructions to Timothy on how to pastor people, and he also provided guidance on church leadership. But in 2nd Timothy, Paul writes with a different urgency and passion. And I personally think it was because it was Paul's final writing before his death. My pastor once said a person's final words hold the most weight and are of high importance to the receiver's life. And one thing Paul affirms Timothy on is the importance of carrying out and continuing his faith. So join me in the word of God. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 3 through 5 in the New Living Translation. Now, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We're going to have the scripture pop up on the screen for you. So Paul says, starting in verse 3, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. Our main verse for the day, verse 5, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, Lord, for this beautiful day, God, and the opportunity that I have to bring the word to, to your church, to your people, God. I pray, Father, for open hearts within your congregation, God, and that we would be open to receiving the word that you ultimately have for us today, God. Get myself out of the way, Lord. May it be your words flowing through me. And I thank you in advance for how you're going to move. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so today I want to talk to you about generational faith. We see a lot in the text about Paul's gratitude and heart towards Timothy, but one key thing that was notated was how Paul specifically remembered the genuine faith Timothy inherited from his grandmother Lois, mother Eunice, and how he lived it out. If it's their church, it is important. 
And so what this excerpt did for me was recall at a young age my upbringing when it came to faith. So my grandfather would always go to church. My grandfather from my father's side. And my grandmother from my mother's side would always go to church. And sometimes I would go along with them. But I do remember them specifically going in. For me, that was a seed. I remember my aunt always consistently inviting my mother and my, my sisters and I to church in my elementary teen teenage years. Um, and we would often go, but it wasn't consistently. It was kind of sporadic. It was holidays and not even all holidays, just specifically Easter. Um, but I do remember us going and for me, that was a seed. And my mother would oftentimes drop us to youth night my sisters and I and my aunt, when I was in trouble, would talk to me about the Lord. And those were all seeds. And I do believe that Timothy also had seeds within his life um, that he would often go to. But the things that I want to kind of bring to you today are three things that you need in order to cultivate generational faith. And so point number one is the right environment. Timothy had exposure to the good news of Jesus. But in Acts 16, 1, we see reference that his father was a Greek, which theologians state did not necessarily align with the faith that his, mo his mother um, and the, his wife and his mother-in-law had. Acts 16, 1 says, Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer but his father was a Greek. And with that, we can probably guess that Timothy didn't necessarily have an environment that promoted that alignment, right? And so with his father being a non-believer, his mother being a believer, her mother being a believer, there kind of was probably friction within the home. But Timothy's father being known to be the opposite, there had to have been that friction. And if you think about a fatherly role, they are the, the head of the home. And usually we have to follow within that, that, that alignment um, within the home. And so for Timothy to have been raised up in this way, to live out his faith genuinely, as Paul describes, Timothy had to have been so inspired by the way his mother and grandmother lived out their faith that he decided to follow in their footsteps. He decided to take those little seeds that he remembered within his life and chose to live out his life in that way and to follow suit in that way. And so for me, I remember one season within my life, the beginning of my college career, going through such a hard time, a toxic relationship within my life. And I remember at one point just saying like, there has to be more to this. I cannot keep going through this. And it was really a foggy time. And I remember my aunt that I mentioned earlier, um, she invited me to church. She invited um, my mother to church and they, she invited me as well. And I just remember, you know what? let me go to church. Let me go to church on my own. At that point, I had a car. I was able to drive on my own. So I figured, you know what? Let me get myself up and let me go to church. Um, and so what I did was I went to church and that, that I went to church that Sunday and I went to church the following Sunday and I went to church again. And by that time, I, I was so stirred and something was so different. Um, I was feeling something different within my soul and I just felt, you know what? There has to be more. And what this pastor is talking about, the Jesus that this pastor is talking about, the hope that this pastor is talking about, I need that within my life. And so what I did was I had two options, right? Like Timothy, I could have ignored the seeds that turned 
a blind eye to this Jesus that my family had consistently talked to me about, or I could have recalled those seeds that had been planted all throughout my life, and I could have placed myself into the right environment. And, that, and that's what I did. I gave my life to Jesus, and from, since then I didn't look back. But in Deuteronomy 30, verse 16 in the message version, it says, I command you today, love God your God, walk in his ways, keep his commandments, regulations, and rules so that you will live, really live, live exuberantly, blessed by God, your God, in the land you are about to enter and possess. And you see, Timothy did that, I did that, and you can do that too. And so here's the thing, not everyone has your story. There are some of you that can relate even greater. Your parents were in church every Sunday. They were prayer warriors. They were on the prayer team. Um, they introduced you to the ways of the Lord. And others may have my story and Timothy's story where it was sporadic or lacked consistency. And then some of you may not have had any seeds whatsoever from a grandmother, a grandfather, your parents, but you are a spiritual pioneer. And someone else introduced you to Jesus and helped you in your faith journey, or they shared this link with you, which is why you are here today. So we can choose the right environment. Point number two is the right heart posture. Timothy chose genuine faith, and he chose generational faith. And what genuine means is truly what something is said to be. It is authentic. And the faith of Timothy, if you really think about it, it wasn't something that he had on a Sunday and he flipped on and, or flipped off on a Monday. It was authentic. It stemmed from the love um, that he had for God, for God's faithfulness. It was Timothy's desire to live out the ways that he saw from his grandmother, from his mother. And I wanna go back to Acts 16, verses one through five. It says, Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. All right, we mentioned that before. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. He was well thought of. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, in honor, right, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek, meaning this was not something within the home. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Why did this happen? It was because of Paul and Timothy's faith in action. And if you go back the, to, the ver to verse three, it says, Paul wanted him to join on their journey. Why did Paul want him to join? Because of his faith, because he was well thought of by the believers, because of the heart posture that Timothy had. And Paul encourages Timothy in his first letter with this. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. The reference is 1 Tim Timothy chapter four, verse 12. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. This is how Timothy lived out. Point number three, the right generation. So here's the truth. 
God wants to use us to pass on faith to our children, our grandchildren, and all future generations. And so throughout the Bible, we see two things. We see number one, that God is a God of generations. In Genesis 28, verses 13 through 15, God says to Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. God is a God of generations. Sub point two, God wants generational faith to pass on. In Psalm 78 verse four and six through seven, it says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders, so the next generation might know them. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. This is what God wants, guys. And Psalm 102 verse 18 says, let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. When I gave my life to Jesus, I was so inspired by the families that would come to church. The stories that would have, that, that people would have about their kids memorizing Bible verses or saying Jesus for the first time, it was something that captivated my soul. And I remember specifically one couple saying that their child saying Jesus was better than them hearing mom or dad. And I knew for me, when I heard that I wanted it, that was a deep desire that I wanted for my life. And it wasn't gonna be by comparison, but it was to live a life that honored and brought God glory. I didn't have it all together. I didn't do it right all the time, but I did what I could. And I placed myself in the right environment. I tried to have the right heart posture and the right generation was my motivation. And today I can truly tell you that I'm building my life around this. I'm driven by the thought of my children and their children and the impact that they would make on their friends, that they would know Jesus like I and my husband do and even greater. And church today, I can tell you that while my kids are toddlers, they love coming to the house of God. They love coming to the orange house. Celine loves serving early Sunday mornings with Titi Sam in worship and Miss Whitney cleaning the room for other superhero kids. They love singing, Jesus Loves Me. I have been given reports that Cohen sings this song in class and they also hum it on drives home all the time. Um, when I asked Celine what she's learned, she yells, Jesus is alive, even though that was an Easter message. She still yells, Jesus is alive and they love when we pray. When it's time to pray, Cohen specifically lifts up his hands like this and close their eyes and they shout, Amen. And I can tell you today that hearing them say Jesus is truly better than hearing mom for the first time. 
And I can tell you that this is the only thing that matters, passing down your faith. Pastor Joshua actually put it like this in a few messages back, that investing into eternity is all that matters. Proverbs 22, verse 6 in the Good News translation says this, Teach, teach children how they should live, and they will remember it all their life. I'm grateful that I have had a godly faith passed down to me. I'm grateful for the little mustard seeds that brought me to where I am today. And I'm confident in saying that I will one day be a grandmother, be a great grandmother that my kids, mentors, and friends will talk about just like Lois and just like Eunice. So church, I, I wanna bring this to you today. If you are a first generation believer in Jesus, you have the opportunity to pass your faith in Jesus on to future generations. If you are not, you too still have the opportunity to pass down your faith. No matter your story, you have an opportunity to pass your faith down to future generations. Jeremiah 32 verses 38 through 39 says this, they will be my people and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart and one purpose to worship me forever for their own good and for the good of all their descendants. Let me pray a prayer of, of blessing over you. Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for your word, God. Thank you, Lord, for the life of Timothy and his example, Jesus. And I thank you, God, that we can operate within these three points of the right environment, the right heart posture, God, and the right generation in order to cultivate passing down generational faith. Father, I pray for your people who have listened to this message, God. I pray that there has been stirring within their hearts, God. But I pray, even above all of that, God, that hope would, would be set within their hearts, God, that they too have, have, have the opportunity to pass this baton down to future generations, God. Whether they have children or not, God, they too can be such a blessing, Father. Use your people, God. Stir within their souls, God, that you have called them to, to forever proclaim your name, God. And we give them to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, it was so good being with, here with you today for Home With Mom. Thank you so much for joining us, and we can't wait to see you next weekend.